Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce. We have a fun Flyers talk today. We figured now that we really know the personnel on the Flyers roster going into training camp, why not start predicting the lineup? We always love looking at the lineup. I feel like we look at the lineup every single day uh, because it's constantly changing game by game. So we figured on this episode, we'll predict the top six. On our following episode, we will predict the bottom six, and then we'll follow that up with the defensive pairs. So today we will do the top six among the forward groups, and for each line, we'll also predict a sleeper to maybe take over a role in one of those spots. So Taryn, I will start with you. Who do you like on the first line for the Flyers? And then give us your sleeper as well. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay. I might, oh gosh, because I was thinking about it and then immediately I just went, well, of course it'll be, we'll probably start out with like Sean, Jake, and G. And then I was like, wait, there's no Jake now, Um, which is so (laughs) weird because that's always been like the top line by default, except for like now TK's bumped up and contributed more. Can I defer for a second and think about this some more because I... Yeah, I literally just sat here and was like, oh my gosh, I like, it's been so long that that's just always been like, if you, if you have no default, just, you know, TK, Coots and Jake or G Coots and Jake. So nope. let me think for a second. Cause now I'm reshuffling everybody. No, Joe, let, let's shift gears. We'll go to you. I do think it's incredibly weird that there's no Jacob Borachek to think about like he was so a staple strange. on either the first or second line right wing. So Joe, who, who are you going with? Uh, because of the familiarity, I think they will start the, um, they will start the season with Konechny along with Giroux and um, Couturier because um, we, we've talked about this a lot. I think this is a really big year for Travis Konechny. And I think the best way to get him going from the start is to have him play with guys like Couturier and Drew that he's familiar with. Uh, you have two players there with center instincts. And I think that would help connect me. Um, whereas down the lineup a little bit, you're going to have some new guys into the equation. Um, the Cam Atkinsons, 
So I think, you know, I really think that that's got to be your top line um, to start the season. I'm not saying it'll stay that way, but to start the season, I feel like that's got to be your top line with your second line being Hayes um, in the middle of JBR and Cam Atkinson. I don't see how it's anything other than that. Um, but what I'll say is that um, are we, we're holding the sleepers to later in the podcast, right? So I won't go no, into we, that. No, you can go into the sleeper now on your first line. And then when we talk second line, we can go sleeper for, for the second line. Okay. So I think I have a, my sleeper to make, to be on the first line is Joel Farabee because if he's scoring goals of the clip that he scored them last year, I don't know. You can't play him down the lineup. You have to play him up top. And then we've seen, you know, Alain Vigneault, he benched Travis Konechny last year. So he's obviously, there are not guys on this team that are above being moved, replaced, benched, any of that sort of stuff. So if Joel Farabee is scoring like he scored last year, I could see him absolutely being a sleeper to make that, to jump up to that first line. Um, you know, there, there are plenty of other candidates too, but I think for sure you're going to have, um, you're going to have guys chomping at the bit to get into that top six and particularly that top three. And I think Joel is a prime candidate if he picks up where he left off last season with the goal scoring. I mean, you're not going to be able to keep him down. Yeah, do and I want to ask you guys, and Taryn, I'll, I'll shift gears to you. Do we like Claude Drew on the wing, or do we think he could be at center? Um, that's I what heard, I was. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like when I was saying, sorry. Also, apologies to everyone listening. I am trying to throw off my sleep schedule because I'm on Phillies pre and post this this week, and they're West Coast games, so I am wiping <laughs> sleepies out of my eyes as I do this podcast. So, um, but that's kind of what I was thinking is, do. Do you want to slide him down? And again, this is part of the other problem when we talk about this is because last year was so Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde for a lot of guys where the season before they looked great for a long period of time. And then last season, they looked bad for a long period of time. You're kind of unsure. I'm at least kind of unsure about like, I would sit here and argue like, you don't even know what Kevin Hayes you're going to get. So maybe you put Claude at second line center because he's more generally dependable in terms of like you know what what the floor is going to be with him in games like I don't think every game he's played as well as at the very peak of his career but I mean last year as I've said multiple times like he he single-handedly got them points in certain games um but if Kevin Hayes is back and he looks good I I like Joe's top line of TK, Coots, and and Claude. But again, it's also what TK do you have this year? That's that's what kind of throws a monkey wrench in a lot of the lines for me. Um, but you need you need TK to be that top line guy if this team wants to compete. He needs to play the way that he played the year before that made him a top line guy. So I, I think you ultimately want to see that be the way that that shakes out for TK at least. And then if you're keeping Claude up on that top line, Kevin Hayes by default should be your second line center. And then I think you get Cam Atkinson on a wing and you get JVR on a wing. And, or, or, see, this is like the problem is I, I sit here and say, 
I think JVR could be a sleeper on any line. I think he could be a sleeper for the first line. If he plays the way he did last year, he could easily be a, a really solid guy on the second line. If he plays the way he did last year, but he could sleepy sleep slip on down. If he doesn't find the hot streak, the way he found it last year. Um, and the kind of the opposite for Joel is I think Joel had a really shockingly uh, reassuring season last year, but I don't think anyone's going to lose their marbles if he doesn't come out and play that way this year from the get-go. So he could start as a third line guy and he could work his way up to the second or the first, as Joe said, but Joel also like, I don't think anybody expected the progress from year one to year two that they saw last year from Joel. So who's to know what he's going to come in and do it in year three. If, if he was able to make another huge leap because he's such a young guy, or if he kind of, you know, grew so quickly within his game last year that he kind of stays at that, at that pace and people start to figure him out. That's the problem with when I was like trying to think about this before we even hopped on the podcast is that, you have so many guys who should be able to do so much. And you have a lot of guys last year who did not do that much. And so when you're talking about finding combinations, I think this is where, I think it's part of the reason why AV gets this reputation for like being a guy who puts the dice, in the Yahtzee cup, shakes it up and throws out whatever comes out is that you've got so many guys who on paper should be incredibly, incredibly talented. So you want to mix and match and see what works problem is is that they have to work and last year at times nothing worked so that's what I'm going with long story long would be TK Kooks G and then maybe JVR Kevin Cam to start the year but I would not be shocked if any one of those wingers is out and Joel Farabee is in in one of those spots you know what Jordan and Taryn I will say when we talk about whether or not Drew is better suited on the wing or at center the thing that would concern me is let's say, I don't think you're going to play Drew as third line center. So if he's playing center and he's the second line center, and if you have a line like JVR, Atkinson, and Drew, I think that's re- you're leaving the – it's very susceptible to defensive lapses. Um, these, are, these are not three guys in, at, in any point in their career right now that are known as – the most dependable defensive players, particularly JVR. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know that that would be a great idea, but obviously if Giroux comes off that top line, then another winger goes up. And you would think that that might be the logical choice would be Cam Atkinson in that case because of his goal-scoring prowess. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that Giroux at this point in his career is that moving him back to center is great and i like that his center instincts on the wing on the top line i think that you know provide i I think that provides a bit of a dynamic look to that top line i think along those lines though i think you could make the same argument last year about kevin's defensive lapses and i know i mean we all thought something's going on with kevin because just even at times for selfish reasons the year before he showed more effort in certain defensive situations than he showed this year. And then we come to find out he was probably playing in a fair amount of pain for some of the season. Um, But that that's the thing that concerns me with Kevin, but then like the season before Kevin's 
scoring on PKs, scoring shorthanded goals left, right, and center, which Mike Yo also, when I would talk to him about it, would be like, well, that's that's a good thing and criticism in and of itself because you want to you want to jump on those target points, but you also want to make sure guys is staying honest. But that's that's the concern. I think it's not even an argument within this um, like prompt, but that's the concern for me about this team overall. Is last year a lot of the defensive structural issues came from uh, forwards defensive lapses and you're talking about this year, like, all right, Cam Atkinson, JVR really moved his skates well last season. I know that's not his bread and butter, but I I think you can't really knock JVR's effort last year. Uh, Again, that was something though, that people said, like he took a major step in, in his thirties last season. So you just hope that it's a, it's a, it's a tool that he's added to his toolbox going forward throughout his career is that, that he can, move his skates and try to effort and get to the right areas the way he did last season, because that, that was, I mean, honestly kind of remarkable at him, but that's the big criticism that scares me about this team is you don't, you look at those top six and the one guy that I would say really stands out as a guy who's like a 200 foot effort guy night in and night out is your selfie trophy winner, Sean Couturier. And then other than that, I think there's some questions. Um, heading into the season, but naturally because of the way that things went down last season. Um, But even Kevin Hayes, when we talk about like second line center, Claude versus Kevin, like Kevin's defensive struggles last year, albeit massive caveat for his um, health issues, scares me a little bit as well. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I would not be shocked if we see 16 different line changes in the first, what, three weeks of the season, yeah. Jordan? Like, this is what, it's why we don't really generally do lines unless there's injuries in pregame live, like little peek behind the curtain. That's why we don't do them because sometimes, like, they're changing right up until game time. And we get the behind the scenes chats with the coaches where they tell us, this guy's going to be with this guy, this guy's going to be with this guy. And then the puck drops. And none of that stuff is the way that it ended up being because AV last minute's just like, there's no law saying he has to play those lines that way. And then he'll just say, you know what, actually, I want to do this. I'm seeing that. And this is what we're going to do. That's literally why we rarely do lines in pregame is because I think he, he likes, he likes to tinker. Who knows what AV is going to see? He's kind of like a mad scientist when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. We love to obsess over it. I think fans love to obsess over it, but Taryn, it's so true. It constantly changes. It changes in-game. Coaches often say they don't even number their lines. Uh, I think they know their fourth line, but one through three, a lot of times they say they don't number them, and I mm-hmm. believe that's true. I really do genuinely believe that they believe that. So um, it, it, it will change a lot. It's going to change in camp, uh, that's for sure. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. 
The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives... There's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Yeah, I think with the whole Claude Drew debate, whether he's at center or wing, um, I think the acquisition of Nate Thompson really put him really strongly back on the wing. If you remember when they got Nate Thompson at the trade deadline uh, in the 2019-20 season, Chuck Fletcher mentioned the importance of getting Thompson being around Claude Giroux. Uh, that could take some of the load off of Claude Giroux in terms of fa- his face-offs on the PK um, and really playing center. They really thought that the addition of Nate Thompson – would allow Claude Giroux to play left wing and maybe do a little less because he already does so much. So I think Nate Thompson really put Claude Giroux firmly on the wing right now. I think the only reason they'll put Claude Giroux back at center is if they need to. And we've seen that happen throughout the season. There's times where injuries happen and they, they realize they're weak at center. They put Giroux at center. But I think he'll be on the left wing. For me, I, I, I like the first line that you guys mentioned. I liked uh, Drew and Couturier, I don't really want to split them up. I think there's so much chemistry. They do so well together. I want to see them together. Um, they really brought out career years uh, with with each other uh, in 2017-18. Uh, the Drew going to left wing and then Couturier sliding up to first line center. They both had great years. I want to see them together. And then I like Travis connecting on the first line. I want to see him out there um, trying to get him going early with two of the Flyers studs. Um, it's Travis connecting is so important to this season. They need to get him back to what he was in 2019-20. I think putting him with their two big boys up top would do really well. My sleeper uh, would be Cam Atkinson. I wouldn't rule out him playing on that first line. I think he's a guy that's been there, done that in terms of production um, and playing with pass-first guys. He he mentioned how excited he is to play with some of the pass-first guys on this team. Giroux and Couturier are playmakers. They are guys that like to, to facilitate um, I think Cam Atkinson could be pretty exciting there. So he would be my sleeper. But shifting gears, let's let's look a little further at that second line. Taryn, what, what is your ideal second line? I know there's a ton of discussion about it, but second line for you, what 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 can you foresee maybe going into the opening night? Ideal second line. Um, like you said, I do prefer Claude on the wing. Um, yeah. I think we've talked to him and he said that at this point he prefers mm-hmm. playing along the boards and what he can work over there too. Um, really just arguing for argument's sake when, when it came to him on first line, second line. So I like Kevin Hayes at second line center. I like a, a healthy Kevin Hayes at second line center. Um, and I like the idea of Kevin and K 
Pam playing together just because I think that they would both enjoy that. <laughs> That's like a off ice side, you know, storyline that us who cover the sport, we root for, for storylines often as much as we root for, well, I mean, I think I root for the team, especially for playoffs more than anything else, but um, that storyline, I would just love. Um, and then who did I say before? And then JVR up there too, or I would really like to see, honestly, I'd like to see Oscar have like a massive comeback season and then Oscar slip in there. Um, if I, I think that at this point, hopefully he should have had, and I can't even fathom his situation or like how conditioning and stuff went for him, but it looked like last year, those games were where AB, I think there are only a few more AB gave him a rest game and then he played the next night and last year's schedule ran everybody into the ground. So I don't even think that was an Oscar thing. I kind of think it was an everyone thing, but especially mm-hmm. Oscar. Um, he played really well the next day. And that was something that was really reassuring to see that given, you know, proper conditioning and proper care and, you know, maybe a more normal schedule, Oscar could really blossom again. Um, I would love to see Oscar slip up there on a left wing and, you know, play the way we saw him at the beginning of that 2019, 2020 season, because you saw it flashes of it last year too, is like his, his hockey IQ and his instincts still are like, they're not something you teach and they're not something that you lose when you're out of condition. It's just, you need the condition in order to get to the right spots to use those instincts. So I'd love to see him come back. He's, I mean, he's kind of my sleeper in the situation, Yeah. but I would love to see Oscar be in that position because I think if he, if he is there, that means he's playing in a way that really contributes to this team and really, really sets this team up for success. The other thing though, that I I'd have to argue in this situation is that when Kevin Hayes and Joel Farabee play well together, they have like a very weird, good chemistry for each other too. Um, I don't think it was on its best display through a lot of last year, but you, you can find those moments where I think Kevin likes playing with Joel. I think he likes setting Joel up. I think Joel likes playing with Kevin. I think they have some kind of good rapport. You can watch them and their chemistry is good in practice. I remember in last year's like exhibition game, they just kind of, they had this good chemistry with each other. And then obviously Joel had a great season and, and Kevin didn't have, so, but um, that would be a fun, really young, good second line too, if they could get him going. The problem is then like, you really ideally would like JVR to be playing at a level where he's in your top two lines. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of all over the place with, today with these lines, but it's just because they're, it's again, it's what we talked about with this team last year. There's so many talented guys on paper. You should be able to go a whole mess of different ways. And in my mind right now, I'm kind of all over, but I would really like to see Oscar up on that second line at some point this season. I would. Well, you know, what's interesting, Taryn too. And, and we saw JDR play a good amount on the third line last season, third line, top power play. And I think that could be a sweet, it could be a sweet spot for him with therapy on that second line. So I feel like that is, that, that would be a good, second line for me would be Farabee, Hayes, and Atkinson um, with JVR playing wing on the third line, but top power play. Um, I could see that being a, a good combination. Now you can say a guy that's making that kind of money and has that type of goal scoring potential, you don't want him playing on your third line, you know, all season long. 
But, you know, Jordan, you mentioned change. The injuries happen, guys in and out of the lineup, and things can shift up and down. So that, that may not stay that way the whole time. And quite frankly, if he's playing the top power play, I don't think that's, that's a horrible balance between third line top power play. Because, I mean, really, JVR is, when he's going, he's going because of the power play. So I, I really think that that could, that could possibly be the, the, uh, a good combination. I, I would say, though, to start the season, JVR would need to be on that second line. Because I, I, I do think Joel needs to get himself to the second line, not just be put there. That would be what I would say about that. I think to, to – and I forget which one of you said it first, but to your point, when you talk last year about – JVR was very successful on that third line, like you were saying, Joe. And if you talk to AV about it and you'd say, and JVR on the third line, that is when he would say, we don't number our lines. We have different combinations of people who work together. And if one of them is playing better – we saw it last year. At one point, he played the fourth line, I think, for like – I want to say seven minutes in one of the period because they were the only line that was working um, is he doesn't hold to like some old school structure of, of first line, second line, third line, fourth line within the structure of a game either. If a third line is working, he'll put them out there, take them off for, for a blow and then put them right back out again. And JVR was one of those big guys where you go, I don't call it my third line. This is just who they work against. And we're lucky enough to have the depth that they're matching up with a different team's third line. And if you have, cause I didn't even put cam like in my top two because I'm an idiot, but like, if you have at that point, cam on your second line, let's say in my hypothetical, and you've got Oscar and then, you know, like Nate and JVR on your third line or something, that's a third line that should match up very well against other teams, third lines. That should be where you can exploit your depth. If, especially if Oscar is playing the way that he can and JVR is playing the way that he can. I mean, JVR should be better than most other third line players in the entirety of the league. And Oscar has, the two of them have great hands and, and good hockey IQ. It should be a really good third line. That's not, that's not a third line, according to, to Elaine Vigneault. It's just the line that's out there together. So yeah. be interesting. Yeah, their depth at uh, left wing is legit. It really is. And I love Terrence Sleeper. Oscar Lindblom was my sleeper too. I, I think he, he stressed it at his end of the season press conference, how excited he was to really work out and get back into the, the shape that he was pre his cancer diagnosis. I really think he's working hard this off season and he's going to push to get into that top six. Um, and I think that like Terrence said, would be a great thing to flyers. If he's playing like his pre cancer diagnosis, um, he's scaling up the lineup and you have guys that can really scale down the lineup and then give you this incredible depth. Joel Farabee to me is like a Swiss army knife in terms of lineup flexibility. I think he could play all four lines and the team believes that he could play on your top line. He could be your second. He could play more in a third line role. He could even play in a fourth line role. Like they like him in all situations. So I think he'll be a guy that they really utilize up and down the lineup and he's going to embrace those roles. Um, he really will. So I think he really will have to earn his, his spot in the top six. For me, I would like the All-American second line. It, we have the All-Canadian first line. I think All-American would be Farabee, um, Kevin Hayes, Cam Atkinson. I like Taryn's mention of the chemistry between Atkinson and Hayes. They played together for a year in college. I think that could work well. And I do like Farabee on the second line. But Joe, I totally see what you're saying too with JVR being a sweet spot of, hey, 
we're going to play you on a maybe a lower tier line, but we're going to give you those first power play minutes. And that third line, like Taryn mentioned, is going to play a lot. Like a Scott Lawton JVR line, that's going to get a lot of minutes, a lot of important minutes. Um, but good depth at the left wing for sure. And I do think Oscar Lindblom could be a sleeper. I think he's going to have a really big offseason and they're going to try to get him in a good spot, uh, maybe in the top six where he can play with some guys. And then you have really good depth below him in a Farabee or a JVR on the left wing. But a lot of depth. You know to talk I was going to say, Jordan, just to, to follow up on you, your sleeper of Cam Atkinson moving to the first line. If Cam Atkinson does what he has done in his career before, and that is be a potential 40 goal scorer, there's no way he, he, he will not play on the top line. It just, it just can't happen. And, you know, you had mentioned about him playing with playmakers. And we've brought this up a number of times. Um, last season, Pierre-Luc Dubois got traded for Patrick Laine. So you had a guy who was a playmaker first in Pierre-Luc Dubois traded for Patrick Laine, who doesn't play make for anybody but himself. Um, He's just a sharpshooter. That's what he is. I mean, so I really think that Cam being with playmakers and, you know, the best playmaker on this team is Sean Couturier. So if, if, if it ever gets to a stretch where they want to see a little more out of Cam, I feel like we're going to go right back to that. When a guy needs it, put them with Couturier. He's the playmaker. And Cam, I mean – Aaron, your part, uh, in your interview with Cam the other day, he talked about how Tortorella always talked about his strength was to get to the blue. That's what his uh, saying was, get to the blue, get to the paint. And that Cam, despite his size, would get down to those dirty areas and near the net, and that's where he would score most of his goals from. So if he's doing that, I mean, that could be, that could be great for that first line if he were able to work himself up there. And I don't see that as a far-fetched possibility at all. I, I would, to that point, if we remember back to when TK was playing well at the very, very start of the 2020 season, what was working for him as well, and I remember Scott saying it, is get your skates in the blue paint. And it, to have two guys that could be together and annoying teams in that way where they're just kind they're kind of just slipping behind you all the time, trying to get behind you where high, um, high, what am I looking for the word danger. here? High, high danger scoring chances come to fruition. Um, would be, especially like you think about Cam and TK and they're different players, but in, in a certain sense, they're very similar in that there are these undersized guys that, I mean, TK especially plays with a chip on his shoulder and they just do what they can with what they have. And I think it frustrates teams and to have two of them on the same line together, I think would be very interesting to watch. Yeah, it would. And it, it's funny. It's reminding me a little bit of last season and hopefully it doesn't, I think for Flyers fans, it doesn't result in what happened last season, but we were raving about the depth at forward last season uh, in training camp. And it we were really raving about the depth of defense. Like it was, I mean, <laughs> So let's, for Flyers fans' sake, let's hope it doesn't translate to what we saw last season. But the depth does look good at four. I think that's a big reason why Fletcher didn't tinker with it too much. Obviously, you subtracted Jacob Voracek, but you did bring in 
Cam Atkinson, and obviously you lost Nolan Patrick. But at that point, you know, Patrick really was a depth center. Um, he was even playing fourth line at times last season because of his struggles. So the four groups still looks very similar, very the same uh, in terms of personnel, but you throw in Cam Atkinson and suddenly, yeah, you do have some intriguing depth and uh, it should be fun to watch. And just one last thing, and this is not the most important thing in the world, but I do think it is worth noting because we've talked about it a lot before when it comes to Travis Konechny. If you watched Cam Atkinson, you know, Welcome to Philadelphia video that the Flyers put out, and I talked to Cam obviously last week, um, and he said he ran into Travis in the facility. It sounds like Travis Konechny has been in Philly and working out, or at least in South Jersey, and working out at that facility a lot this season which if you're a Flyers fan, I mean, you should be happy to hear anyway. But last season, and we've said it, and just to add some more context to it, last year when we got to media day, it was, and it's hard to really gauge certain things because it's over Zoom. TK almost seemed kind of defeated by the like lack of resources that were open when in the off season and really how limited he was and what he could do. And he even joked about like, what's the one thing you learn about yourself during quarantine. And he said that my metabolism is as fast as it used to be. I think he was a little bit, um, I don't know that the word would be frustrated and we didn't really get an opportunity one-on-one to talk to him about it. And so I'd love to talk to him about it this year, especially it seemed like last year he had really at least challenging time getting into the season into the season and in shape the way he even wanted to be because the season before he was really stoked on his his offseason training and then came out red hot out of the gates of that 2019-2020 season it sounds like he's been training a lot and he's been training here at least recently he has been which means he's had access to their strength and conditioning coaches are in that video their nutritionists are available in-house their weight room is available. The ice is available. It's been very hot. So if you go work out outside right now, it's great conditioning for you. I'm excited to see how Travis Konechny comes into this season because I, I don't know this for sure, but I really got, and I said the word before, the feeling that he was defeated in, in the way his off-season training went last year. I don't think he was super hyped up on it. And it sounds like this year doing everything that he can at least that I know of, in order, that I know of in order to come in shape. So we'll see how that pans out. I'm excited about it. Yeah, Taryn, I, I would say that caught my attention too, going through the interview with Cam Atkinson, that he mentioned that he saw Travis there working out um, when he toured the facility for the first time. Um, and, you know, that that's one of the things that stood out about the interview. And you can see part two of it uh, tomorrow morning on Sportsnet Central. Uh, we get into, Taryn gets a little more into uh, Philly, the organization of the Flyers, and how, like, what Cam can bring to this team. Um, so really, really good stuff from, uh, from Cam Atkinson and Taryn from last week. Yeah, Flyers fans, definitely check that out. And I know Travis Konechny, was, he, he and his fiance were expecting their baby this month in August. So he said he would be down here in July-ish uh, getting ready to get settled for the baby. So that could be part of the reason why he's here, but none, nonetheless, it's awesome that he's here. I think that was probably the grand plan was, Hey, we're expecting a baby in August. Let's get our place settled uh, locally for the season in July. And Travis probably is, I'm sure doing nothing but dad duties and then working out. He's probably working really hard. And like Taryn mentioned, like he has everything at his fingertips. That's gotta be huge for him. Huge for the flyers. 
Um, and I, 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 I sense we'll see a rejuvenated Konechny now with him being a father going into this season and also having a lot to prove too. I was trying to figure out if TK being there was also like a plant, like, Hey, yeah. whatever. But then Sam Moran was also there working out for what it's worth. Yep. He's in that video and TK is not a difficult guy to deal with media wise. But when you talk about a guy in his off season, whose wife is now what nine months or fiance is now nine months pregnant. Um, yeah. I don't know that you could convince a guy to come in and like plant him there just for a YouTube video to show that he yeah. was there. Um, yeah. Because it's not like Joe Seville knew Travis was going to say that to us. And they easily could have connected on an off day and like done it somewhere else, which makes me think that Travis was genuinely there working out for those people who are like, I'm sure they asked him to come. Like, no. In the off season, guys don't always like want to do those kinds of things. Nonetheless, drive to the facility, go do that when your wife is about to have a child. So, I do genuinely think Travis was there working out. And I, I am excited to see how he comes into the season. Yeah, I do too. You think about it, if he's in the, the, the Philadelphia Voorhees area, um, yeah, he's probably just focusing on getting his house ready or apartment ready, wherever he may live with his fiance. Probably getting that ready and then working out. Like he's not back home where he grew up and he's around family, friends. He's just, he's probably really focused on flyers and dad duties. And that should be a good thing uh, for the flyers. But this was fun. We chatted the first, second lines. We will follow that up on our next episode with the bottom six, which I think is going to have way more difference and discussion. Um, so that, that'll be fun, especially at center. A lot of fun talk coming up, but we will continue to predict the lines here on the Flyers Talk Podcast. And fans, make sure you definitely check out the Cam Atkinson interview with Taryn Hatcher, produced by Joe Fordyce. It will, be, it will be in Sportsnet Central. We will have clips on the website, NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. A lot of great stuff there. Check it out. But Taryn and Joe, thank you so much. As always, great chatting with you. Look forward to chatting with you soon. Flyers fans as well, thank you. Ben Berry, real quickly, a special thank you to our podcast producer as well. And of course, Flyers fans, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time.